The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Touchstone Electric Fireplaces. Hello. What? A new local sponsor? Go to thpus.com and use code TTP for 15% off, or, and you'll find out later, you can just go to zerodeadbirds.com. Order your electric fireplace, 15% off with the promo code TTP. And Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds, get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, zerodeadbirds.com. It's the real sell for the product. Can't believe the site Uh, was available. Yep. Well, it took a few tries. I tried deadbirds.com was taken. Uh, No deadbirds also taken, but zero deadbirds not taken. A, uh, on the show today, a minor online controversy with a former sort of sixer who is never actually a sixer and an unfulfilled promise. Um, we have the finals of the Jigsaw Field of 64, some comments and a controversy, yet another controversy oh from the Jigsaw God. Field of 64. Well, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, I did suggest a pool, another pool for DraftKings, by the way. Uh, we'll see if it comes through. I wanted to surprise you with it, so we'll see what they do with it. Um, not Jigsaw related. Uh, talk about the Michael Jordan documentary, which starts on ESPN this weekend, and the 50% mailbag rolls on. I think the more that we've done mailbag questions, the more that we've got gotten and the better they've been. So I want to give a a big thank you to everyone supplying the mailbag questions. Before we get going, this is the birthday time on the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast, it seems like. Um, But these these guys deserve it. Hey, Spike and Mike, my friend Tom and I both work at Temple University Hospital. He's a CNA and I'm an RN. We're both longtime listeners of the pod. Tom's birthday is coming up. It would mean a lot if you could give him a birthday shout out on the pod. We always appreciate the content you create to help us have some normalcy during these challenging times. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. Thank you you to both of you. Yeah, thanks for working in a hospital nowadays because anybody working in a hospital, that's uh, that could be a, a scary situation and we need you. So yeah. thank you. Um, oh, I didn't even get, he said his friend Tom, but I didn't even get like, I didn't say his name. Which Would you like, like to con- be a part of the Sixers medical staff? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sean, Sean and Tom, Sean and Tom, sort of rhymes. So happy birthday, Tom, and thank you for your service. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is still waiting for JJ Reddick to answer his request mm. to come on to the podcast. That is Mike Levin. One of the thirstiest tweets I've ever sent. I don't like sending those kinds nope. of tweets. Not nope. in my nature. Not your um, style. But I went for it and came up empty-handed. JJ Reddick. So, mm. right. 
So if you're if you're not on Twitter, here's what happened. I feel like I should give background, right? Not everybody saw it. Go for it, it man. It, what's what's interesting on the internet now? There used to be heavy internet usage times. I, you know, we are with the website at IP and all the social media stuff. I get to see it. It doesn't appear as if th- those times exist anymore. It's all sort of spread out. So I don't know who saw what. So it's the other night during the horse competition, which. I give ESPN and NBA credit for trying something. wasn't wasn't really very fun, but I give them credit. And the only um, charming, uh, I guess, round or game, I think the the Mike Conley one was really tough. Yeah. Um, the the Paul Pierce one was funny because Paul Pierce is so retired. Yes, um, he is very retired. Yeah, there are a couple of tough, but I did. I thought that the the best the best produced and the and the most entertaining one was the last one. With uh, Allie Quigley and Chris Paul, I didn't see that one. That I one was easily the best. Suffering okay. through the first couple were, were tough, but uh, but that one they got it together a little bit more on that one. The thing about horse is that it's not really an entertaining game in the first. No, place. it's not a dynamic game. It's a lot of thinking. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. watch someone think. It's, it's no. like it's not much more athletic than chess. The scary part is it was the second most viewed sporting event on all of television last week. So, um, and it, what what, was there first? wasn't even a lot of people that watched it. Uh, it was a, a TNA wrestling or something. Sure. Because WWE wasn't live last week. So live, live sports event. Mm-hmm. So there weren't a lot of them. Um, so anyway, uh, so JJ Reddick is, I'm, I'm looking at Twitter during it and JJ Reddick is tweeting through the, um, the horse thing. And, I see someone, you know, I don't like that Twitter shows me stuff from people that I'm not following so much, but every once in a while it comes through and it comes through and I see someone like sort of harassing him. Like the guy's obviously trolling him and he, he's, he just calls him a draft bust. He goes, everybody knows you're one of the biggest draft busts ever. And which, it's is, such- which is obviously patently <laughs> untrue. Yes, but but it obviously got to Reddick, right? And because he's he's like going back and forth with the guy, which is fucking hilarious. So then the guy goes, "Everybody knows you're a bust. Come on, can you even dunk?" Which sounds like a a burner spike thing to say. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So um, I thought it was funny. So I just saw it, and all I did was simply retweet it. That's all I did. No comment. Just retweeted it. JJ Reddick responds to me, ha ha, Spike, still, see you're still hating or something like that. Um, ha ha, have a good one or something like that. And it was at that moment that I realized JJ Reddick's been paying attention this whole time. <laughs> still hating. Like, I never even really tweeted about not liking JJ Reddick. It was mostly on the pod. Um, so... Uh, now, he had admitted to listening to the pod when he interviewed TJ McConnell, so whatever. So at that point, you have to, I have to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to push back or am I just going to sort of like take, you know, am I going to take it and, you know, ha, ha, ha. So I say uh, something to the effect of, I just thought it was an interesting question. Um, I'm not actually sure you can dunk. And uh, I can't really be sure that this is JJ Reck anyway. Because he's not on he's not on social that's media, right. so he's like he he doesn't quite get the nuance of it as he says. Obviously, I rejoined Twitter because I'm here. Um, yeah, it's tough to 
Yeah. So he chanted, not on Twitter at him, not <laughs> a not an uh, you and I generated chant. That was someone no. just uh, doing, doing their own volition that caught on very quickly at the mo- yep. at the Minnesota Fly the Process. And he it had, was uh, stand, so stand there and take it as he was talking to like you know, his in-laws or something. <laughs> take this half-assed insult. <laughs> and and for everyone who doesn't know, it, it's not like it happened when we were in the stands. We were waiting right by the court for Robert Covington and Dario Sarge. Mm-hmm. We were the only ones in the stadium, and there were 400 people chanting not on Twitter at him. <laughs> so it goes back and forth a couple of times, and every one of my responses, and he is clearly getting more and more agitated. Yeah. And everyone Well, of you my have respond- more experience doing this than he does. Yes, Obviously, for sure. like it, it'd be like dealing with trolls on Twitter, you are the JJ Reddick, you know, shooting off movement of dealing with trolls on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. As you are receive them and are them yourself. Um so he gets more and more angry and every time I'm either doing something like well, I haven't seen you dunk or how could I be sure this is you and I would do something like uh, here in Philadelphia, the place you used to visit when you lived in Brooklyn. Right. That really fucking made him yeah, mad. Yeah, it did. And he said something to the effect of NBA players barely live in the cities that they play in. Um, that, that's obviously an issue to you. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> barely live in the city they play in? That's not true. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... Um, and I, but I was never such an asshole. So also while this is happening, of course our people are fucking loving it. And oh, and he, somebody says JJ come on the pod, and he says I will come on the pod at any time. And the one thing I did say when somebody said was telling him to say the name, or I was like, look, JJ Reddick said the name very very early in this on uh, on his own podcast. So I do give him credit for that. With the and JJ I said, one. Yes, and I said he was invited on the pod, and um, like I didn't, I didn't get like a response from him on that. And then the next day, I think was that when you said something or I said something, I can't remember, but I, I think it might have been. So he has not responded in any way to coming on the pod, and there's no way he doesn't see the tweets. He definitely see, he sees all the tweets clearly. Um, what I think may have ruined it is when we were going back and forth, there were quite a few of our listeners who asked him about the person in the cage. <laughs> um, I did show him the uh, lottery party T-shirt with not on social media, and he said he hasn't seen many of them. And then I showed him the sales thing of how many were sold, <laughs> which said. We called it the party boy shirt, even though it doesn't say party boy. So the cage thing came up uh, on a bunch, and I wouldn't have done that to him on the podcast. I would have been fine. It would have been a fine visit, you know? I would no, have he's still, we won't, you know, we're bound by, uh, I don't know, FBI jurisdiction to not ask mm-hmm. about whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> um, I have a lot of other questions. A lot of yeah. basketball questions, a few non-basketball questions. I did listen to his podcast with Lonzo Ball. Uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite players in the league on one of my favorite teams, the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, there's a lot of, you know, things to remark on in that podcast, but the thing that I'm choosing to remark on here, you didn't listen to it, right? No. So they do a uh, a draft at the end 
for the three of them, JJ, Lonzo, mm-hmm. and Tommy, mm-hmm. yeah, for the fictional either movie or TV coach you would most want to be coached by. And they each drafted like three or five or something like that, guys. Okay. And they bring up somebody uh, picks uh, Glory. I think Glory Road is what it was. Josh Lucas and Glory Road. And they couldn't remember his name. And they're like, oh, he's in, he's in Sweet Home Alabama. And that's what JJ said, uh, which okay. is a great movie, by the way, Sweet Home Alabama. Um, and, neither, and Tommy was like, the song? And Alonzo said the song, one of them, and, and Tommy's Tom like, no, the song, Sweet Home Alabama, the song, the song is fire. Which is just like the idea that the quote of Tommy, whatever, saying about the song Sweet Home Alabama, which came out like, what, 50 years ago, saying the song is fire to a like NBA player entering his prime. It, what a take to have. What, a, what just a nice nugget of a quote. I just I, I had to like pause the podcast and like walk around my apartment for a little bit just to be like, the song is fire. And I hope that Leonard Skinner, wherever they're fucking buried, is is like, hey, Tommy thinks that our song is fire. Come on, Tommy. Well, the amazing thing about Leonard Skinner is that they all died, but the band still exists because they've been replaced by other people. So that's impressive. Look, Sweet Home Alabama is a fine song. Fire, but uh, fire, yeah, I. Is Tommy Alter, so he's the other guy from the J.J. Reddick podcast. Is he the other guy from the Dunked On podcast, too? I don't think so. Okay, all right. Well, so here's the thing. Um, it was and, just such a poser know, I, thing to say, and I just it just right. really rankled me. It's it's hard to believe that uh, like a poser thing to say would happen on the J.J. Reddick <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I like J.J. Were they... I Were like JJ. I have. I really oh, have very limited I, issue with JJ. I'm going to let you get away with this. I I'll like JJ. I that's fine. Don't know what Tommy does. <laughs> He's the other guy on the podcast. Look, you can't do a podcast by yourself all the time, especially if you have an NBA star guest every time. How are you going to do it by yourself? Here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to apply some leniency to this. J.J. Reddick has 72 hours (laughs) from the minute this podcast comes out. So wherever wherever J.J.'s holed up in, in like a nice like country home, all of a sudden like a Legends of the Hidden Temple clock just started in the corner of his life. (laughs) It's counting down. (laughs) Somebody, okay. The minute this podcast drops, which will probably be around 10 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday night, I need someone on the internet to start the J.J. Reddick clock, 72 hours. He has 72 hours to publicly commit to coming on the podcast and, and have, you know, and, and like work that out or the guy is banned from the podcast. And um, That's a spike ban. Yeah, that's me. I will take complete, I will, I will not reference anything that you've ever said with him before. In any case, I will take total ownership of ben, I've clearly said he's not a real sixer. I said that when he comes back, the first time he came back, that the correct response to J.J. Redick is to not make any response at all, not cheer or boo, because he wasn't even on the team. Um, I said, I, I don't have anything against him personally. But I'm just saying all the things that I've said so we can get that out. I have also said that he is one of my least favorite sixers of all time. Um, I, I don't know why, but I have said that. 
But look, when I worked at a rock station, I hate the band Five Finger Death Punch with all of my being. And we had to interview them. And I told them to their face, look, guys, I don't understand why anybody likes your music, but they do. And I talked to them. And I had a fine interview. So JJ Reddick, we will, you will be treated fine on the podcast. We will not ask any questions about the person that was in a cage that you just left there in the car <laughs> and then admitted to on the podcast. You have 72 hours from the minute this podcast drops or you're banned from the podcast forever. I hate to do it. Um, but and I, I have to respect it. Although I, would, I do want to talk about his defense in the 2018, in the 2019 playoffs. When he locked up Joe Harris, locked mm-hmm. up Danny Green, I was impressed. Wasn't a liability. I've said it a lot of times, and I want to hear his perspective on it. We've, we've always respected each other's bands. You've made bands. I've made bands. It's sort of the way it works. Sometimes it's a group band. Sometimes it's an individual band. Yeah, this is yours, and I would have to respect it. Yep. 72 hours, JJ. It's not that hard. A lot of people have come on the podcast. A lot of famous people. <laughs> a lot of famous people. <laughs> A lot of famous people. Speaking of which, I was watching our friend uh, Amos Lee was doing a live Instagram thing uh, before we started. I was watching him sing from wherever he's holed up at. And he called his friend Mootloo on. And for a moment, it was him and Mootloo in the Instagram thing, which is Tony, Tony to Tony and Tommy from down the shore of the Hoagie Hour. I was hoping to see a little Hoagie Hour, but I didn't see any. It was very disappointing. Oh, I can... Um, uh... I guess I can announce oh, the show that I'm working the show. for before we get into yeah. it, into whatever yeah. we're going to be talking about on this podcast. Yep, it's a good one. Uh, I will be. I'm work. I've been. I guess I've been there for about two months now. Uh, the room mm-hmm. started. Um, it is a, a new show coming out. Suppo- supposed to come out this fall. Who knows about filming and all that? But it is. Uh, it is called The Young Rock. Um, okay. And it is uh, starring and executive produced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and it Ooh. is about. Uh, different time periods of growing up and him as a kid and him at, you know, University of Miami and him, he grew up in Bethlehem for a little bit. He's been all over the place. So it's a couple different timelines and uh, comedy coming to NBC this fall, maybe. And uh, so, and I am also, you'll be proud to know, and Ange Goldstein will be proud to know, I'm the biggest wrestling fan on the staff. And so I get to be the sort of authority there. And so I will take... Uh, any blame for anything we get wrong, and uh, but it's fun. It's fun to to get in there. It's a, it is a, a ri- many rich areas for comedy and uh, intriguing storylines. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I I will make this uh, Philly pledge or this Philly proclamation. Here we go. That that the chance of a comedy show with Dwayne the Rock Johnson succeeding. Um, and, and getting out there has slightly better chance than one about uh, a, uh, a fictional version of Ben Simmons. So <laughs> That's probably true. I this, think, this got yeah. made uh, and it was picked up straight to series and ours was yeah. uh, swiftly not picked up to anything at all. Um, so, but yeah, similar, I don't know. I guess some some similar story, but it's from him before he was, for the most part, before he was like famous or anything. So it's it's cool. Young That's Rock cool. coming to NBC this fall, and uh, you can still watch Perfect Harmony on Hulu and I guess NBC streaming service when that is available. I don't know what. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Let's go. Yeah. One one of my biggest thrill. My my brother works for Disney, and one of uh, the best pictures he ever sent me was him like 
working on some shoot thing with the rock and just sent me the picture of it and i was like fuck man my brother has surpassed me yeah guy's the man yeah. i've i've loved the rock yeah. for for a long time i still give my dad and and have always given my dad rock bottoms onto the uh bed whenever i'm in town uh like, which m- makes the dog bark and my mom yell at us that we're gonna break it it's <laughs> from from ages 11 to now i'm 30 it's been the same thing so the rock's been there for it all and i'm excited now i get to uh work with him i'll say this about wrestling too i I, I'm ready to start watching WWE now that it's coming back. I'm going to watch it. I haven't watched it in years. It's new. It's, uh, it'll be fun to follow. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back in on wrestling for a little while. That's great, man. You know? Yeah, until sports comes back. One of, uh, it, uh, wrestling was a bonding thing with my wife and I when we first started dating. She really liked wrestling too much. I've, I've never seen her more excited than when she saw The Undertaker in person for the first time. Wow. And I married her. She was right in front of me. And the Undertaker thing was a far bigger thrill. <laughs> the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Mike, our newest advertiser. Hit me with it. Very, very exciting. Touchstone Fireplaces. I love that. So you know we like local uh, small businesses here. Love Rice Ricky Sanchez. We are one. And uh, Touchstone Home Products is in Exton. And they make electric fireplaces now huge yeah now you might say why would i need an electric fireplace now take it from me i own a uh, a split level home in springfield uh, delaware county and you know in the bottom part there's a very cool looking fireplace but in the four and a half years we've lived there we've never even touched it because of the hassle of i don't know when the last time it was used i don't know if there's fucking dead birds in the chimney uh i like (laughs) my parents had a fireplace and there was always this ash and it was scary and i haven't even touched it so if you have a fireplace that is not worth the hassle or if you have a place where you can't have a fireplace like a condo or that's where the touchstone electric fireplace is great a couple of things first of all no mess no cleanup no ash no dead birds in the fucking chimney. You don't, if you don't have a chimney, if you ever live in yes. an apartment or a condo without a chimney, which I do, yep, need some of that. No dead bird. Yep. What are you going to do? You're going to get this electric fireplace. Good news. First of all, uh, totally, like I said, no mess. There, it actually does provide warmth. Now, it's not just, you know, uh, I think one time at my house we did the thing around Christmas time where we put up the fireplace like channel on TV, which is is nice to look at, but there's no warmth. There is warmth with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, all different flame intensities. So you could have big, huge fire or like, you know, calm, romantic fire. Mm-hmm. You can make it look like there's a log in there or you can make it look like there's like a crystal hearth in there. Um, it is easy to display. Um, they are, this is not some like, you know, uh, unrespected company. They're sold on Wayfair. Uh, they're sold at Lowe's and Amazon, but the support, the, the actual company is right there in Exton. Anywhere from, Mike, think about the wall. So you can do it two different ways. You can either put it on the wall, mm-hmm. like just on the wall, or in the wall and like recess it, make it look like it's in the wall. I, I, like. Feel like, I feel like a movie that you're watching where a rich guy like comes into his condo, he has a recessed electric fireplace in the wall. Um, 36 inches wide to 100 inches wide. You can go to the gallery right now at thpus.com, th, 
P-U-S.com. Look at what they look like. They will ship it to you uh, quickly because they're local. They will get it to you in two or three days, and their customers love it. Um, first review, with a flip of the switch, I have warmth and ambiance. I just want to let you know we finally got the electric fireplace installed this week in my yoga, new yoga studio. Ooh, it looks fantastic. That's nice. It's easy to – yeah, it's, that seems like relaxing, right? And the things that uh, I care about. Yep. Electric fireplace – Helps reduce your carbon footprint, which is good. There you go. Because we need that. Yes. And it also helps you save money on energy costs because yep. you're using, if you're using the regular heater, this is yep. nice. There's no smoke. That's great. Nope. Yep. Uh, and there's no cleanup. We already mentioned the dead birds, maybe mentioning them too much because as if there's a lot of, we, we both deal with a lot of dead bird problems and that's why we keep bringing it up. It's just a thing is all I'm saying. It's a thing. Um, use <coughs> code TTP. <coughs> When you uh, when you check out for ten percent of your order, uh, TTP when you check out that is Touchtone Fireplaces. Uh, right back to the race. Uh, the uh, Apple po- it's back, Mike. It's back. The Apple Podcast five star review of the week. Please give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just scroll down; it's very easy. We're at two thousand six hundred sixty-three. Um, when we get to three thousand, I'll read all the reviews from um, two thousand to three thousand. Right. Unfortunately, that won't be able to happen in quarantine. That would be against. No, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. That would be against the bylaws of this bullshit reading of these reviews that we <laughs> signed up for. This comes from Art of the Malaprop. The subject line is more fun when the Sixers aren't actually playing. His review says, if there's one thing to be thankful for, it's not having to watch the rest of this season. (laughs) There is this little thing going on with the season as everyone misses it, where it's sort of like when you break up with somebody and you you forget why you broke up with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You just remember the good things. You know, most of the games were fucking terrible this year. So a lot of them. uh, I don't know about most. I watched the uh, legs posted the uh, some video from Shake against the Clippers when he went off, and I you know brought a tear to my. I fucking love. I love Shake. I feel so good that Shake is good. What a satisfying feeling. And now I miss him though. He doesn't. You know what if. What if he has a Zaire or Markel-style well, catastrophic, catastrophic event that would take that away from us? Or even, like, you remember Thad Young, fresh uh, rookie, rookie Thad? I've talked to this before. Rookie Thad was, like, excellent and had, like, upside, and all of a sudden kind of was the first option for, like, the la- for like a couple months in that season. And then he got hurt and didn't come back, I think, until the, that Orlando series, and he just wasn't as good. And he never well, he settled into, like, nice role player, but there was, there was upside there for a little bit. If he never, if they never play again, this will be the memory you have of Shake, and hope he, he'll never get to. Uh, and I, I said that I would mention it. I didn't do it. Uh, uh, Shake Milton. We try to get Shake Milton on the podcast. And he just doesn't seem like he likes interviews all that much. But he uh, he did a thing with Hip City Veg in Philly where he donated five hundred meals to the medical staffs. Um, at hospitals fighting COVID-19. So what you can do is you can go to the Hip City Veg website and uh, you can send additional lunches. So you can help out with Shake and send a- additional lunches there. So 10 bucks for each lunch. You can just Venmo them to at Hip City Veg. So they, good work, Shake Milton. And it's Shake, like come Shake on Milton's the pod. We'll, we're gentle. Million. Water's warm. It'll be easy. Yeah, it will be, be the softest ball interview of all time. Yes. The, don't listen to the J.J. Reddick thing. It's not going to be anything like what you're worried that would be. 
Um, so, uh, okay, so here's what we have. We have a good mailbag coming up. We have the finals of the, um, the, the jigsaw field of 64. I wanted to start off. The biggest thing it seems like that's happening in sports this week is that the last dance, they moved it up. The last dance, the, the, uh, docuseries from ESPN on the Jordan Bowles starts on Sunday night. It will be two hours a night for five weeks. I believe it goes, um, People are super excited about it. One one thing that's happened to me, and I, I I don't know if it's because of my job or what, but it's really hard for me to watch. Um, I can watch a movie, but series are tough for me. It just I lose I lose interest. But it'll be fun to watch this stuff on the Bulls. I guess my first question, given your age, is: Do you even remember much of even the second run of the Jordan Bulls in? in like real time or no. I, I mean, it's hard 30. to remember if I remember it in real time or if I just see yeah. enough highlight, whatever. But um, I was born in 89. And yeah, so, so like, you would have been seven. Yeah, like I have some yeah. of it. It was, you know, it felt ubiquitous growing up. Um, and uh, one of my best friends and like his whole family was like super into the Jordan Bulls. Um, and so it was, and my like for the first ever basketball team I was on, we we played the uh, his dad was the coach and we played the like Jordan Bulls uh, intro music when we when we started the game or something it was it was very like a part of my life in the in in those in those like mid nineties times um, I mean obviously guy's incredible like <laughs> no no one's gonna yeah. say MJ wasn't good um, it's weird how. Uh, the the after MJ thing is always was was always just interesting to me and how quickly people wanted to assign a label of like the next whatever. Um, yeah, well, I I think one of the things about him, it's funny you say that, and like you know, like there was Harold Miner and there was like you know, there's next Jordan and all that kind of stuff. And I guess for perspective, I, the same way that you remember, like I was the the age that you were when Jordan the end of Jordan's greatness was when like the Phillies were in the 83 world series. And I do remember it happening and, you know, but it, you definitely, this is what the thing about Jordan that is very different than I think most any superstar in maybe in any sport is that he was so great in such a specific way that it seemed as if he had become like the stylistic ideal of how to be great. And the truth is, and I was thinking about this today, it's not like there were a ton of players before or after who were even that similar to him and act, and also great. You know, there were two guards, just like there are centers, um, you know, when you compare them to Elijah or or whatever it is. But the weird thing about Jordan, and I think this is why so many current NBA stars tend to idolize Kobe over LeBron, is that Kobe was was such a, like, he was, he did everything like Jordan did it. He wasn't as good, obviously, but you could tell he grew up watching Jordan because yeah. he was just doing an impression. Mm-hmm. And there's just so few people like how he was. And the, the only other thing that I will 
express. And I think basketball is one sport where, you know, I always discount Wilt because I never saw Wilt. I think like, I think basketball is a sport, unlike baseball, where numbers go so far, but seeing them play is, is, is I think, pretty important. Totally. I also think the past, like, we were, look, we were trying to look up, uh, in the room, we were trying to look up Dwayne's, like, college stats because he played defensive end yeah. at University of Miami. And there just, yeah. like, aren't any. There's, like, aren't. Yeah. Like, early 90s, it was like, ah, we didn't keep stats back then. And, like, you know, you, there's old stuff. I'm reading... Um, uh, basketball love story right now. There's like it's like an oral history. They did the whole series and stuff of like interviews on ESPN. Um, but this is Jackie McMullen and uh, uh, a couple other people that I'm forgetting um, that like basically transcribed a shit ton of interviews and put it together based on chapters. And there's like you know there's a chapter about the ABA. There's a chapter about like you know Magic and Bird. And there's a chapter about like New York City basketball. All that stuff. Uh, like going back as far as you know the you know the dawning of basketball as a as a sport. And there's like, you know, guys that they were like territorial picks where yeah. if you're just like lived nearby, you could just be like, yeah, we'll take we'll take them. And that was it. There wasn't like and Julius Irving got offered from going to the ABA when they they're not it wasn't officially a merger. It was like a they allowed him in and then bought him out or had to like buy in their way into it. It was like it's kind of a complicated legal situation. Um, but when they were when when that happened. Like, he was offered to the Knicks as a territorial something, and the Knicks didn't want him or, like, just decided it was going to be, like, too much. And, and, then the, and then the Sixers owner paid the Knicks for him, and then it was like, okay, we got Julius Herb. And it's, like, the weirdest things. I think, honestly, like, not, like 2002 is the beginning of the time that anything should matter because – in the past, it was like, ah, who gives a shit? They're just all, like, guys smoking in back rooms and, like, vaguely paying attention. Wait a minute. 2002? It's why? insane. You there, saw were, it? there are not statistics for, like, college players in the, in the 90s. It's insane. It's, like, the idea of, of caring about sports, like, on a level of, like, on a holistic, like, top to bottom. We're going to put whatever, whatever, like, you know, like, the statistics, analytics, uh, Revolution, like that's the first time people were like, "Wait a second, you're actually going to care about this, not just the way a guy looks and what his girlfriend, if his girlfriend's got a fat ass." Like, th- there's, it's just the past is just riddled with like dumb bullshit of like people not really knowing or caring or like thoroughly doing it. Like, first round picks were notified via like fax. Like, it's like the past is crazy, and so I think that nothing counts to me in my mind before like the fucking early two thousands. It could be anything. Everyone could just be lying. Hubie Brown just being like, here's a guy well, who does, he's right. fine enough. It's crazy. I'm blown away uh, by right. it. That's my, on, that's on, my newest take. It, well, it's, the, the take has actually been given. So um, I, I was going to agree and disagree. The way I'll agree is on uh, a separate podcast of mine that we don't do enough anymore called The Art of the Take. One of Joe Giglio's takes was um, anything that happened like before the internet was widely used is like probably fake. Because it was just somebody told somebody told somebody told somebody, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, how do we know what happened in the fucking 60s? We don't have any idea. There was, most of it was just somebody told somebody what happened. Um, so I agree in that sense. But I am telling you, I, like, I watched my Michael Jordan. There's plenty of video. Um, I, I guess what I would say is that what I say about him all the time that I do not feel about any other athlete 
in history is that when you were playing against him, you knew you were going to fucking lose. I've never seen anything like it. And um, people criticize the talent he beat. Like there were fucking enormous stars in the NBA when he won. Um, there wasn't as much clustering as there is now because the players didn't have the same sort of like movement options that they have now. But I, you know, um, like the third best player on his team for a while was Horace Grant, who was a nice player, but it's not like Jordan's teams had tons of stars. I've just never seen anything like him. And it is a sport in which and people say the same thing about Joe Montana, didn't lose the Super Bowl, but Joe Montana was just, it's football. He was very good, obviously. He was great, but you can't just win it on your own in football. In basketball, you, you kind of can. Mm -hmm. And he, he was a fucking killer. And I, as I've mentioned many times, and people remind me every time they don't like my opinion about the Sixers, I was a Knicks fan at the time. And I'll never forget the series where the Knicks went up 2 0. Um, and like Starks did as good a job on Jordan as anybody. Um, still not good enough. And like even up 2-0 in this greatest Knicks team that that existed, I knew they were going to fucking lose. I just knew. I knew they were going to lose. They lost four straight. They fucking lost. He, he was just so good. And I, I sort of wish, the only reason I wish I could see him now is I wish I could see him when three-point shooting was important mm -hmm. because... You know, he had a couple of years. One of the years was the shortened three-point line. I think he shot like 37%. But he clearly would have ended up being an awesome three-point shooter if he wanted to be. I've just never seen anything like him. He's not just the best basketball player I've ever seen. He's the best, like, sports player I've ever seen at anything. And um, I've never I've never been so sure I was going to lose as when my favorite team played Michael Jordan. And yeah. I think that is the a, a pretty defining characteristic of his. I think the know. best players and... And the best athletes kind of turn you into like a fatalist that like yes. it's gonna, it's, there's nothing yep. we can do no matter what yep. happens. It's Mariano Rivera, sort of like we know we're not going to get a hit against this fucking yeah. guy, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's interesting because, you know, I th we think every, everything becomes a process versus results argument. But like, you know, going into this season, it, the, the, the book on this season was like, it's wide open. Like there's... 10 teams that could be in the finals. Who knows? But in if it but if the Raptors somehow won, who knows? Then 30 years from now, we'd look back and be like the Raptors uh repeat champions like a dynasty whatever and it was like, well, right, it wasn't right, like right. that kind of thing whatever. And so you look at you know, obviously those Bulls teams were incredible. Um and it really is a because of how you know, f formative it was, is that when I started watching basketball, like I started watching basketball and it was like, like Knicks Bulls. Or like that when I think of like old, when I think of like basketball of my actual youth, I think of like the Knicks and Bulls like logos, like on the court. Like there's something, I see them and I, I, I get like transported back a little bit. And I wonder if like a couple shots missed and Jordan did lose the finals. Uh, he lost to the Jazz, whatever. Or a couple of things here and there, and it becomes like less of that. Is it is it is it as open and shut that it was, you know? It was also the time that he was in that he they had he had the personality that would be just a you know psycho killer like he goes after you everything. Um, 
Whereas LeBron came up in an era where like they we were trying to take down our stars a little bit more as a you know as a media that that he entered into that situation. But it's a matter of like how how much is someone's reputation crystallized because of a couple like the ball bounces the right way. I'm not going to mention Kawhi. Um, and in a different uh, alternate timeline, JJ Redick, um, <laughs> it's a totally different scenario. And we're talking about how how good, you know, Craig Elo was and how he actually doesn't get enough credit because he was excellent and whatever, won a championship and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I mean, it's not. There, I'm not saying Jordan wasn't good. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. But it's it's interesting to think like it's thinking interesting <laughs> to think about legacy when when you're when we're currently in it with Joel and Ben, and then looking back on it with you know Iverson or any of those guys, and being like, well, what? How much of it is talked about in terms of in just with you know with the benefit of hindsight, and it it feels inevitable looking back, but at the time, it's not. Uh. Well, I mean, think about if if uh, Vince Carter's jumper mm-hmm. was two inches off, like, and Iverson's signature moment never happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. Um, I, th- I think yes, I, I think I agree there. I do distinctly remember the inevitability of Jordan, yeah. though, and uh, and even the the comeback. I I I almost can't even. Um, I would love to see what the I'm back fucking thing would have gone like in today's age where people could react to it. Yeah. Or the fact that he played fucking baseball is, and, and he wasn't even a good baseball player, but he still hit 200 in the minors, which is, seems impossible to me. Um, I don't know. It was a wild time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot just to remember. Do you subscribe to the idea that like the, the gambling situation? Yeah, I do. Do you think that that this (laughs) will be in the documentary? Uh, I don't know because the, I, does the NBA have a hand in producing this or is it just ESPN? I, I think the NBA has a hand in producing it, which I, to me would mean that there will be very little, if any of that in there. It's like, interesting. I, I think this, I, I, I look at, I talk, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but you know, it's more fun if there's a conspiracy theory that Michael Jordan, to believe in the conspiracy that Michael Jordan was kicked out of the NBA for a year because of gambling debts and had to like go yeah. cool down in minor league baseball. And it's more fun if Carol Baskin of Tiger King killed her husband because it's, it's, it's exciting to talk about and, and weird right. and wild and crazy. Um, and I just wonder how, how easily we as a society get kind of like, yeah, let's just pick the fun thing and I'll believe that. Yes. Uh, yes. Now that is something which in hindsight can grow, right? Because it, in hindsight, it makes more sense. Like the logic of it, you're like, oh, I could see that, mm-hmm. you know, I could see how it, and then it just becomes accepted because enough people say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem reasonable that it's true though. Um, and then there was like, his dad was murdered in such a strange way, mm. um, which, which was tied to it right. sometimes too, by the way, people, People talked about it. Um, and all of that, too, with, with him being such a curmudgeon post-career, which it seems to be an NBA player trait. There's a lot of uh, post-career NBA players who feel like they didn't get enough respect. That's right. But his Hall of Fame speech was so fucking insane. Uh, Jordan's was. It was like he was mad the entire time. Um, 
Yeah, but I, I've always believed the gambling thing. I've always believed it. <laughs> the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. If you didn't think dogs were already superior to humans, dogs can't get the coronavirus. They can't. There's just, there's no chance. I feel, you know, when, when I'm hanging out with my dog and he wants to lick my face or whatever, I don't feel any nerves there because he's going to be fine. So Is that your dog or science that you're giving me? <laughs> um, it's a little of both, I think. Okay. You, you know, I'm it's good. a little I'm both. Yeah. So the the lesson is is that your dog is going to make it through this. <laughs> Even you know, we might not. Even if you don't, gonna, don't you yep. want your dog to be supported by his joints? Even if sleep, you're yep. not there for. Sleep comfortably on a big Barker therapeutic dog bed. Come dogs, on. come on. Uh, engineered by experts to support your dog's joints. We've been getting a lot of uh, big Barker uh, process pup stuff lately. I think maybe because people are fostering and adopting dogs at <laughs> like a uh, record pace right now. So yeah. if you got well, a new dog, uh, what's that? Tony and Taylor, uh, my friends, and Alyssa's podcast co host, Taylor, um, yep. just bought a big Barker today. Oh, really? Today. Saw it. Did they go to Slash Ricky? They did go to Slash Ricky. They got the embroidered logo. They're all 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 in. The patch logo. The patch logo now. Embroidered's gone. Yeah. Um, That's that's great. What kind of dog did they get? Uh, They, I don't know. The dog's name is Fredo, and it's a mix of like seven or eight things. Hmm. Well, uh, that's the right kind of right kind of dog. And um, she's a big TV star, so big TV stars support Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. That's exactly right. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Get yourself a big barker. Get your dog a big barker to sleep on. They they were designed for big dogs. The original beds are big, but there's Barker Juniors. Rebel is 40 pounds, sleeps on a large big barker. Might be a little big for him, but he likes to sprawl out. You know, tall drink of water. Likes to spread his shit out a little bit. Um, they come in all different colors. They come with, with the headrest, without the headrest. And if you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, you get that. Uh, you get two process pup patches. Very easy to iron on. If I can do it, then you can do it. It's very easy. It takes like a minute. Um, we did that because not everybody wants the process, the writes Ricky Sanchez logo on there. So you get to decide. Um, it does have a 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't reflatten or they will replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, send it back. They will even pay for the shipping and they'll give you a free, a free, a free refund. A full refund. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. Big Barker dog bed. Back to the pod. All right. So before we get to the... Um, the jigsaw final match. Oh, I also want to bring up, we got a couple of suggestions. I just sort of picked one out of a hat. We talked about listening to an album and then coming back and discussing it next time. So we want everyone to listen to the album. Um, a regular listener named Brett Stevenson. Um, actually, the way he described this record made it sound like you might like it more because you were like Wilco, right? You're a Wilco guy? Yeah, I'm a Wilco guy. Um, it, I, I, I hope neither of us have listened to it. Suggest an album by Margot Price called All American Made. Do you know it? I don't. So everybody listened to it. He suggested, he was nice enough to suggest to it. He sent a passionate email. Um, it sounded like an interesting record. So for the next pod, um, everyone listen to, I will listen to, you will listen to Margot Price's All American Made. Um, mailbag or Jigsaw First? What do you want? Uh, I think we go, I think we'd settle this goddamn thing once and for all. 
Oh boy. This has been going on weeks. <laughs> so I, I want to start this off with a couple of um, couple of emails and a couple of thank yous. The first email comes from David as we get to the Jigsaw Finals. As the anticipation builds for Mike's final selection, let me say the joy I receive from almost every Jigsaw is completely irrational. I love them. It's not just the oddity of the choices which gives me joy. The real magic comes from hearing how Mike's mind works and making his, his decision. Never stop the Jigsaws. Love to both of you. Be safe. Thank you, David. I also have a, uh, a little prologue that I have to deliver oh, really? from my dad, who okay. uh, wants to make clear Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels a little bad that I'm shitting on your dad so much, but it, I, ah. I do, you know, it is sort of well, the basis of this whole relationship. At least one of you has a conscience. Yeah. Um, he said it was always about the on-air persona and the shtick with Howard, which you will obviously admit is, you know, ginned up for yeah. being a, you know, public figure. Um, and he wants to make clear that we don't know him as a person. And he said it makes it, true. it makes me uncomfortable when it feels personal. So that's from my dad. Well, Mike, you do make it sound personal with my dad a little bit, almost like you're doing it on purpose. Um, it is a uh, formative experience. Look, I grew up listening yeah. to him. It's like it's he is the Michael Jordan of people I hate listening to on the radio. Can you, as you were saying that, I was going to say the Michael Jordan of people that you hate. And there you go. Uh, and there it is. Um, so well, I appreciate Glenn's kind words. Yeah, no, none from um, none from me, but you'll get some from my dad. I will say the the thing about my father, as fucking crazy and irritating as he is on the radio, in real life he is also crazy and irritating. <laughs> but in real life, um, not only charitable, but I've never seen someone. Anytime anybody asks for help for anything, he will be annoyingly aggressive at making sure it happens. Anytime. Like there, I've run into so many people who were like in my industry who are like, you know, when I was in college, I was an intern. And I sent your dad a letter asking him for advice and he invited me into the studio for a day and then took me to a Phillies game and something like that. So um, maybe it's to make up for being a fucking crazy asshole on the radio. I don't know what it is, but he does have that side to him. Um, this comes from Jeff, who put together, Jeff Davila and uh, his, his wife, who have been listening to this, who put together the field of 64 jigsaws. Um, Jeff says, it's been really ni- a, a really nice escape listening to the field of 64 jigsaws for the past six weeks. The 13 seed versus the nine seed in a field of 64 final is a rarity that has to be one of the, the true joys of the Corona times. It's crazy that Mike would rather have his balls relocated to his knees drink a glass of stranger snot and lick Doug, Doug Collins's grundle and fully clog the toilet every time he went rather than name his kid Howard Eskin Levin. <laughs> his, his logic has been fun, albeit confounding to observe. My wife and I are looking forward to listening to the final. What a run um, that Howard Eskin Levin has gone on to get yep, to this point. Yep. And then finally, some controversy from Matt before, before we get to the final. Um, Spike and Mike I wanted to point out something for the finals for the jigsaw bracket in a competition between naming your firstborn after Howard Eskin or every joke you hear being the funniest thing you've ever heard I think is such a one-sided decision that the entire bracket is compromised first of all naming your kid Howard Eskin isn't that bad you could just make it into a bit and about how you want Howard Eskin in the want a Howard Eskin in the world who isn't wrong about everything and move on, but that's beside the point. Move on. As 
as as you alluded to in you the name, last pod. You name your kid Matt fucking Grundle McBall face and see if you just, hey, I wanted to make a Grundle McBall face who's actually a really nice guy. As you alluded to in the last pod, Move the laughter... On. It's not that the big a deal. <laughs> the laughter one... Uh, the laughter one would not only ruin your career, but would drive you to some Joker-like insanity. I'll take it further. Every joke you hear from t- every TV and from every TV show, conversation with friends and family would be unbearable, and, pe- <laughs> and people would quickly figure out this character trait and mess with you by telling you knock-knock jokes, sending you into debilitating laughter. Also, by definition, each previous joke being the funniest you've ever heard would compound and likely kill you within no time. Look it up. It could happen. My suggestion is that for the finals and for the integrity of the jigsaw, you amend it slightly to the likely intent of the option and interpret as your your susceptibility to laughter is increased by 10 times, a.k.a. everything is 10 times funnier than you currently think it is. This would still greatly inconvenience your career, personal life, et cetera, without causing a mental breakdown or death in the next two years. I'm probably taking this way too seriously. Um, it's not that serious, but I needed to get this off my chest. Thanks for the laughs during this shitty quarantine. I believe this comment is for me, and I am not amending it. Um, I think it'd be unfair to is, amend it at this point. Yeah, I don't think you can. I think his, his, his point... Is, is sort of the point I always make when I think you're taking the wrong choice in the jigsaw. Like my point is always something like, but wait a minute, you're not considering dot, dot, dot. And that's when you turn something into a parlor trick. So here we go. So what, um, what is your opinion of this final? Well, um, are, are we looking, is the spirit of the question- My father is Howard Eskin, so- I know, but in the spirit of it, the question, is mm-hmm. the funniest joke I've ever heard. Are, am I taking it into too much of a like clinical psychology route? And I should err. I wouldn't go insane, but it would be just like different. Yeah, it would change I, my, I, I do don't. I don't think. I, I. I think as soon as you start suggesting that the one that you would take would kill you, that's when it's not what we're talking about anymore. Right. Sort of like, you know, oh, you have to shit 12 times a day or something. And somebody responds back, well, if you shit 12 times a day, you're going to get this cancer. And that, like, I, I think we have to take it from what it is. And it is, even the thing he said, everything is 10 times funnier than you would intend it to be, is still fucking impossible to deal with. So I, I don't know. I think you have to take it as you've been taking it. So, Okay. So, so just for anyone who's listening for the first time and somehow has made it 50 minutes into this, um, here's the choice that Mike has to make. And the, the, of course, the one that he doesn't choose wins the Field of 64 Jigsaws. The first choice is, as Mike said, uh, the Michael Jordan of hate listening to the radio, uh, Mike has to name his child after my father. So he has to name his first child a boy or girl, Howard Eskin, Eskin being the middle name, Howard Eskin Levin. The other choice is that for 10 years, every joke he hears is genuinely the funniest thing he's ever heard. Um, First of all, I'd like to say, just based on that email, 
if your friends and family knew that you had this problem and character trait and their decision was to tell you knock-knock jokes just to watch you, like, like I, I don't think that would last very long, you know? I, I don't know that it would be funny all that often. But those Here, are your choices. Here's my thing. I think in the world where it's the funniest joke I've ever heard, it's not like I'm – my brain is so – like is like trapped, right? Like I would be legitimately having a great time every time someone did it, right? Yep. Yes, you're loving it. You're having a great time. So I don't even yes. know enough to know – you know, you genuinely believe it's the funniest thing you've ever heard. I, you know, almost like if I told you everything that you eat is legitimately the most amazing thing you've ever tasted. Right. You know, you would, you would love eating in that point. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you love hearing the funniest thing you've ever heard. I think I've been thinking about it this whole time and this idea that I am still myself and then I get this sort of affliction. Mm-hmm. And I wonder now if I just say, hey, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to just like laugh at everybody's dumb fucking joke and have like a ball all the time? I would have the every day would be one of the best days of my life. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to be a comedy writer. I don't know what my job could be. But. That sounds kind of nice in a, in a, in a, you know, over the last however many, how long I've been doing this, whatever. Like there's a, you hear a joke and you're like judging it and you're critiquing it and you're, and you have an issue with like, you know, whether it holds up or whether that, what, what the timing of it was or how clever, how, how many times you've heard it before. It just, it seems really, really nice to lose any level of critical thinking and just anytime someone tells me a joke, I am beyond delighted. Right. And so that's why naming my child Howard Eskin Levin is going to win this tournament. I don't want to wow, do Wow, so you're going to take the joking. I'll t- I'd rather you're take, the, take the, joking the joke than name my kid Howard. I'd rather change my career, change my entire life, change the, my entire basis of my personality than I would rather name my, my daughter Howard Eskin Levin. Not going to wow. happen. Wow. Not gonna happen. Wow! So we have a champion. Champion. I, I, One shining moment. Obviously, I think it's the wrong choice. And true um, to form, shouldn't that be the way? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's always been the sort of the definition of of all of this is is I always think you make the wrong choice. I'd always pick the other one. Congratulations to you. Have to name your kid after my father for winning the jigsaw field of 64. Did you think it would get this far? I mean, did when, when this started, did you feel like that was the one that you weren't going to be able to overcome? No, no, no. I didn't, I don't, I tried not mm. to think about it too much until we got into the moment, you know? Um, yeah, but I, I would like to see the full bracket and see it all placed out and see if, you know, there was an upset and I would have done things differently now in hindsight. I don't know. I, I think that when I heard every joke for the rest of my life would be, or for 10 years, right? It was 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, would be the funniest show I've ever heard. I think I've always, that was always a, a favorite for me of like, I don't know. But thinking about it and being like that, I just turn my brain off, be a fucking gullible joke robot. It mm-hmm. sounds, you know, we're in these wild times that we live in. I'd be significantly dumber. And I, what a, what a treat that would be.
to be done. You, you'd likely lose your job. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, instantly. I yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way because also every time I, I thought of a joke would maybe be, yeah. be one of the funniest things I ever heard. And that's no good. I mean, that would be, it would probably be the end of your relationship. I mean, it, it seems like it would make somebody, you know, even though, you know, you're not hateful or anything. I, I don't know if I'd want to live with somebody like that no. or have dinner with them. But I would, or, I'd be know. too fucking dumb to know. And that just sounds really yeah. nice. It's like a red pill, blue pill, except one of the pills is just like being a fucking dweeb who laughs at everything. Congratulations, naming your uh, child after my dad. Would I never can't do wait it to meet Howard Askin Levin. No, it has to happen now. I did, it was in the bylaws. Wow. Of yeah. he was is, he's the original. I think he's the original person banned from this podcast. So that I think feels very on brand for what we've we built over the years. Yeah, I think so too. Um, some good mailbag questions. You can send them to writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. It is the 50% basketball mailbag. You either have to send one question, which is somehow 50% basketball, or send two, one basketball, one non-basketball. Um, this comes from Jacob. Hi, Jacob, longtime listener, first-time emailer. Two questions. First, do you think the beef between Donovan Mitchell, future sixth man of the year, and Rudy Gobert is legit or just hyped up to give us some content during the quarantine if it is real and they trade Gobert, do you think it's a possible landing spot for Al Horford? <laughs> I like that. I, <laughs> it's a quick, there's a very quick straight line to us getting rid of Horford. Give it to us. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's real. I do think that there there seems to be a, like a legitimate fracture there. Um, and maybe it's one of those things that just heals with time and you're like, all right, he was a fucking idiot. But I, maybe it, maybe it's more personal than that. Like there's... There's shit that goes down. Like, there has to be, I guess what I would say, if there's not something else, then I, I would think they'll get over it. You know, like Donovan Mitchell could have given it to fucking Gobert for all course. we know. And, and, um, but these guys are like, everybody like is stubborn in their yeah. own way and it just like snowballs yeah. and it becomes out of control. So I think if it, if they're not, you know, right now is the easiest time to be like, hey, love you, man. All good. We're both healthy. Let's whatever. And they're not doing that in the face of, like, as much scrutiny as they're getting is is pretty clear that it's not happening. Um, did you listen to uh, the – and I okay, and I guess maybe if Horford is gone, then sure. <laughs> or and, uh, if Gobert gets traded to wherever. I don't, I don't even know where – who, well, who well, would want out? A Gobert spot would be Boston, Boston maybe, right? yeah. Um, yeah. Then sure, if they want Horford, like a three-teamer. Sure. All you guys. Sure. The, Al Horford ending up in Utah, it seems perfect. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Um, I, uh, I like the idea of the people have been talking about a Buddy healed Horford situation. I like that a lot. I would do that um, in a second. But yeah. I, I really I really wouldn't trade Horford and, like, picks and, uh, you know, Matisse or Shake or whatever to get just to get rid of Al. Maybe it's because I just don't no, believe gonna, in the... It's going to take one more piece. Is it like there, no one's going to do a straight up, or you're, you're trading some something that somebody else doesn't want at all? Sure, but the, the Sixers, uh, the Sixers Adam trade of the what was it, Rudy Gay and Patty Mills? It was Rudy Gay and Patty Mills for Thibel and um, Horford and Horford. Yeah, that just doesn't seem to appeal to me at all. We're I think we're trading the mm. the best player and the 
Vucevic would be better potential player. You know, over the next five years in that trade, I just don't. I just have no interest in it. I I think Sixers Adam and I have a. Um, I, I I think I have a more measured uh, opinion of what I think Thibault will be than you know like like then I think a lot but of but over the Sixers next five years do. he'll be a better player yeah. than Rudy Gay will be over the next five years and then Patty Mills oh over the next, next five years. years for sure but but I don't like they got to do something now like I I think I just don't you I know? just don't, a I don't agree with that. Um, I'm well, not if saying they're it, keeping Al Horford on the team and they're keeping to like I I, don't, I obviously don't think it's perfect. I'm not saying that Horford NBA is a perfect fit, but the the reason you get Horford is because you are worried that Embiid is not a constantly healthy person, and so but it didn't it didn't work. It's not going to work that way. They don't have enough good. They don't have enough players to do that. They there's just no way that they're winning a championship without Embiid. I'm, healthy I'm not saying that I would keep Al Horford over everything. I'm just saying yeah. I would the. The alternative, like, look, if, you, if it's a Eric Gordon, if it's a Buddy Heald, then you get somebody that helps, then, yeah, let's talk about it and let's see if you can get mm-hmm. a, a, another playable backup center in it or if you believe in Norvell or whatever. But the idea that you just trade Horford away for expiring contracts and then all of a sudden Embiid gets hurt and it's like, hey, we really could have used that Al Horford guy. It just doesn't – and also we traded, you know, Matisse or Shake or a first-round pick or whatever it is. I just don't – I don't like – I think that if they do that, if they do – a, a, a trade similar to or exactly the Sixers Adam trade, then it'll be another trade where we deal from a position of no leverage. Well, you you'll you'll feel good to know that if it is this, if if it's this front office that deal, I I don't know that they would take the public lashing that that trade would 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 end up giving. Them, I just don't think it's very. Know? I just don't uh, think it's very smart. I think it's I think that is reactionary and short sighted. Not that be, not that it's a. The Horford Embiid fit is perfect. Like, of course, no one would argue that. I think there's a world where it gets better. I think there's a world where Embiid is hurt and Horford becomes much more valuable. Um, can Can I tell you something? There is no way that Al Horford's going to be on this team this year, if, next year, if they can help it. There's like they cannot look Joel Embiid in the eyes without Horford on the team next year. There's no way. Like I'm, I'm as sure of it as the the sky is fucking blue. I just there's just no way. I, I would be shocked if if they didn't do all they could and they've put themselves in this position now but i would be very surprised if they didn't do all they could to get rid of al horford this offseason i would be surprised now that doesn't mean it's the right thing it doesn't mean it's the right thing if you think it's not you know like i i certainly understand where you're coming from i just i don't think it's a likely situation at all um jacob's uh non-basketball question how long does an album have to be out before you can call it your favorite album of all time? Stay safe, fellas. I thought this was a good question. I, I, I think about this in terms of as far as like TV shows or, or movies mm-hmm. or whatever. So I would say no time at all. Whatever you feel, then really? you're welcome to feel it. I think that if it's everybody's, you know, you can have different categories of like how long something sits with you, whatever it is. But there's an experience of listening to something or watching something for the first time. And if that if if you you know if that just fucking fucks your shit up in a way that you like and you think that was the most impactful piece of art or whatever it is that I've ever happened, then go for it. Most of my movies, I most of most of my favorite films have come out in my lifetime because I think oh yeah that's I, I think I would agree I with think that. they there's an experience of seeing something in a theater that I think is more obviously not anymore but 
Um, <laughs> Too bad he'll never, never have, have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, is more um, uh, encompassing. You're fully engrossed yeah. in the whole thing. It's more experiential it's exper- than just experiential, watching yeah. it on TV. And so yeah. there's obviously a, a, bunch of, a bunch of movies that are my favorite movies that I've just seen on uh, like you know, at home or or whatever. Like if I'm locked in, but I think it's really easy to not pay attention when you're not when you have your phone right there. And so I try to turn my phone off mm-hmm. when I watch those movies and stuff. But even still, I, so I think one thing that you're saying that I agree with is you can have the experience of listening to it for the first time and have that experience be the best experience you've had listening to a record or watching a movie. But to me, that is different than. That is my all-time favorite. I think it's just the the semantics of it. To me, my all-time favorite is something that I still like a little while in. You know, maybe even years in. Um, and music to me is is different than movies in that I can see a great movie that I have no desire to see again. Um, and there's some movies that I think are not the greatest movie I've ever seen that I could watch probably ten times. It's different for me with music. With music. I would say it's a, I got to have the record for at least a year uh, or two before I would say it's my favorite sure. of all time. Sure. I just have too many in the chamber. For but me. I think it's every, everybody um, has their own you know, definition of that. Yeah. And the idea of like, yeah. you know, if you, I, you know, when I listened to uh, Blonde for the first time, Frank Ocean, mm-hmm. uh, I listened to it and was like fully engrossed and was like, this might be one of like it, you you put it in the like consideration thing and then you see how it grows on you and you see how like you know you life events you experience and like you listen to the song and then things change and all that stuff. So I think that there's a you know there's a, there's a uh, <laughs> you know when when the um, in the in the NBA lottery when you get when you jump into the top three. And you can see, like, you know, the the nine, the New Orleans Pelicans. And it was like, oh, we should have been there instead. So that means we jumped into the top three. And then your little Sixers icon goes into the bottom three, into the, like, pool of, like, potential whatever. That is that is the way I I view it. Like, oh, it's into the it's into the next round. It's made it past the commercial. That kind of thing. Um, This comes from Dan from Edison. Spike, Mike, love the pod. Nobody does it better. I loved this either or that he started with. Basketball, non-basketball. Basketball, which do you choose? This season restarts playoffs only. The Sixers run through Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, then the Clippers and win the championship. And beat his finals MVP. Side note, Indiana beats Miami in round one on a TJ backcourt steal off of Butler. Option B... You have full insight into the parallel universe where Hinky remained as GM. While you don't experience that timeline, you're able to look up every transaction, every draft pick, every season finish to know how the true process would have played out. This could not be clearer to me. Really? It could not be. However, whoever the fuck thought that I should have picked not your dad, this is as clear as that is. Championship. Um, beating Boston, beating Toronto, beating the Clippers, winning a championship, and beat Finals MVP with a capper of Indiana beats Miami on a TJ backcourt steal off Jimmy? We have an asterisk anyway. What? Anyone who wins the championship this year is going to have an asterisk anyway. That doesn't matter. If this In this version, we've played all of these teams. So there's been at least some series, mm-hmm. whether it's three games or five games or whatever. 
give me this. Uh, every single the idea that I could then look at a, a box score, I can make up a box score or a transactions list of what Hinky would have done. I need to know what would have happened. No, that's nothing. I need and to then, know. And then do what with that information? Just know. I don't, do do what? what ha- this is this, what I and this is after. why I still think you're a Knicks fan. <laughs> don't you fucking do that? That's what those asshole, the assholes do. I you want a championship so you can look at a instead of looking at a real GM fucking sheet of no no because because, because Hinky signed uh, fucking you know Darius Johnson home to another ten day and that would I've, do I've, it. I've watched. I've I want to know things. I just I the, the pain of not knowing to me. I, most years, the, the Sixers don't win a championship or, or whatever doesn't win a championship. And I've been around for championships and they're cool for like a couple days, but then you're back to like, no one won the championship. This knowledge is forever. I just, I the need Eagles to The Eagles championship to me what, is still for, I, I watched it again the other day and it was just excellent. I had a great time. I'm still, I still, I'm still glowing from it. And this is where I have to, not only are you a Knicks fan, but you're also, and I'm sorry to invoke some, such a racial slur, a strapezoid. And you're, wow. and you're I might be. circle jerking yourself about... Then you're on Tony Bruno's about, sca- about Scam fucking, Hinky. You, you and Tony Bruno. That's right. You're, That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and then his non-basketball question. I, I've said this a million times. The way that the process thing going through this changed me is what, what is most important to me now is, is doing the right thing and when things are interesting. I like when they win. I don't like when they lose, but it does not affect me in that way the way that it used to. Embiid just Finals doesn't. MVP. To, you're sacrificing an Embiid Finals MVP to, to find out that Hinky actually would have signed fucking you know late no. late career Monte Ellis to a two year deal. No, we would have known what happened. We would have known if he he could have won the MB, he could have won the Finals MVP in this parallel universe. And he could not have. Mm-hmm. And or he could have been like, oh, huh, okay. I'd you don't get to experience the experience it. though. We talked about listening to an album for the first time, watching a movie for the first time. You're not going to experience mm-hmm. the Sixers winning an NBA Finals mm-hmm. because you want to look at a transaction sheet. Crazy, mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, sorry. Strapazoid. Um, Strapazoid Eskin. That's what I'm naming my son. <laughs> After you. Non basketball question. All right. <laughs> non basketball question. I got into a quarantine discussion conversation with the wife on something I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to have cried over. My answer was the hinky firing and resignation letter. I legit shed tears. Looking back, it's surreal to me how absolutely emotionally invested I was with this thing. It was like being a kid again on a level of fandom. Either that or I was in a cult. The question for you, what song, show, movie, or sporting event or whatever made you cry that you would hate to admit? Oh, man. I cry all the time. Well, so... I have an answer, a specific answer, just because I remember. It. I'm I'm never embarrassed for crying. I, I cry. Yeah, for you know, sure. I cry at TV. I'm shows. not even. I like. I've. I mean, obviously, the past month or two, whatever, has been very emotional time. I feel like I've, I've cried watching like so many different sports. Um, an embarrassing thing that I've never admitted publicly. This is super dumb, because I'm not like a fan of this band or whatever. But for a couple years, in high school. This, the the Rascal Flatts song "My Wish" made me cry like every time. I don't know why I listen to it that much. That's embarrassing. So there you go. Yeah, Rascal Flatts song. I mean, that's no. I mean, it's not, not, a, what I not, a, not a badge of honor in any way. Yeah. Um, 
I remember I cried. Have you ever seen the movie Simon Birch? No. So it's about like this uh, little like uh, disabled kid or something. And I don't even fucking remember the movie. But I do remember that Ashley Judd is in it. And Ashley Judd gets killed when she's at like her son's baseball practice or some shit when the ball hits her in the head and she fucking out of nowhere, like you never see this coming. The next scene, she's in the hospital and she dies. And I fucking cried. I like, I don't know. I think I was in college when it came out. Hold on, let me. Came out in 98. Look. Yeah, okay. So I was, that was my senior year. So, um, so I cried at Simon wow. Birch. And that, that is, yeah. I've cried a lot of things. That one is kind of foolish. Um, all right. I'll, I'll essentially cry to any sports highlight now. <laughs> Put it on and I'll, I'll get it on. <laughs> Remember sports. This is from Ryan. Hi, Spike and Mike. Hope you guys are well. Thanks for doing the pod. It gives us something to think about other than reality. I have one basketball question, kind of, and one non-basketball question. Who has the strongest hoagie mouth on Sixers Twitter? Mm. Seamus has some hoagie mouth to him. I don't talk to a lot of the Sixers Twitter people. It's hard. To, yeah, like I, mean, in, I have, but it's I mean, Dave Reuter has some pretty good hoagie mouth. Oh, does he? Isn't he? Is he Allentown or is no? He's, he's, Who's Allen? He, he went to um, one of the fucking Catholic schools. Wood, maybe? No. Um, anyway. And Newbeck does a little bit, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I don't know. I, don't, I never talk to anybody anymore. I just was texting with Newbeck the other day, and I, I don't even remember what he sounds like. He's got like a deep voice. There's, there's definitely... I mean, I... You know, it, there's a lot of, we, you know, when we have Ricky events or whatever and you talk to people, there's some significant hoagie mouth happening with some, with some Ricky listeners. Yeah, I just don't remember anybody specifically is the problem. I'm sorry I don't have an answer for this. If anyone knows, uh, let us know. And um, his non-basketball uh, question, me and my wife just learned that we are pregnant. Congratulations. Depending on when you read this, you guys will know before most of our family... <laughs> We are putting together a baby name bracket. So my non-basketball question to ask is to give you both, is for you both to give me one boy name and one girl name and one gender, gender neutral name mm. each. So I'm gonna give you the ones that I always wanted because I don't think I will ever be permitted to use them and I think they're both general neutral. Do you, gender neutral, do you have any names you'd like to suggest? Uh, I'll, let me keep thinking about it. Okay, so I for a guy, I've always loved the name Maceo <laughs> since Maceo Baston. I think he was on Michigan. There's a, uh, a point guard at Baylor, Maceo Teague, right now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've always fucking loved that name Maceo. So Capital Maceo C? is the guy's name. What's Capital that? C? Or no? Yes. Uh, well, I'm trying to, I wonder how he... Maceo Teague is the Capital C. Maceo Baston, uh, former basketball player, played at Michigan. Yeah, M- uh, lowercase c, M-A-C-E-O. Maceo Desmond Baston, uh, born 1976. Um, and then the female name uh, is Minerva, um, which... Uh, That's a tough name, Spike. It was, I like it's it. It's a tough name, the, man. Was the, it was the Roman goddess of wisdom. I like it. The Harry Potter name. Also. I'm never going to get any of them, so... Um, I like weird names, so. Uh, I will give one, and it is uh, gender neutral. 
since you did one boy, one girl. And it is mm-hmm. Ricky related. Dana. Dana Barrows, oh, baby. There you go. One of my favorite yep. ultimate players. And it was his that birthday is recently. Gender neutral. So go with the Dana. This is from JA. We can make this the last one. I don't I don't think we have another one that is uh that is that is uh, pressing. Hearing that the Brooklyn Nets would like to trade for a third star and Embiid's former agent is interested in bringing the process to Madison Square Garden, what should be the starting price that either team can negotiate to? I don't think the Knicks would have anything. Do you think, do the Nets have anything that they could offer that that isn't Kevin Durant um, to start a conversation? So it wouldn't be, I obviously wouldn't want Kyrie. Uh, it would definitely yeah. have to include Dinwiddie. Bring him home, my guy. Um, something like Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Karis Levert, and two twos, or two ones rather, or something. So Karis Levert. Well, you're not going to get off. Well, I mean, do we have to no, make money? So you so could get off for Dinwiddie makes like fifteen. Levert makes like. 12, I'm looking at it now. So Levert made 16 uh, going into like 2021. Levert uh-huh. makes 16. Joe Harris makes 14.5. Okay. Um, so we're, we're already in trouble. Sorry, Levert 16. Joe Harris 14.5. Dinwiddie 11.5. And uh, Jared Allen 3.9. Um, could also factor Torian Prince in there, but I think I'd go with the other guys. Um, Maybe maybe instead of because that's a lot of offense. Maybe you take a, one of. It's a lot. Of, that's a dollar for four quarters trade. For sure, there, for though. sure. Yeah. Um, maybe you take whoever you like less between Dinwiddie and Levert. You take you take Torian Prince for defense instead of that, and go, because you got shooting, you got everything. Obviously, Embiid is very good. I wouldn't trade him for those guys, but that'd be the starting place. It'd be you know, all their other players. Yeah, basically. two firsts, Jared Allen. Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. I, I like Levert the best on that team, but he does get hurt a lot. He does. You know. He does. He, I think he's got a lot of upside still, but there's he does occasionally like disappear. And there's some consistency to how like relentless Spencer Dinwiddie is. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've always liked Joe Harris. Uh, and then his non basketball like question. My, as a, as a, as a, as a sixer, you'd like Jared Allen. Yeah, I would like Jared Allen. I I, uh, it's all those, there's some weird fits there with Simmons, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. J- Jared Allen's a weird fit. Dinwiddie's even kind of a weird fit. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of nice. The, the way that, the way that Simmons, I mean, I think he would be fine, but he does like to have the ball. Yeah, for sure. You know? And then his non-basketball question, I've, or his, I've given this answer a bunch of times. I'm only going to give the same one. I was going to give the same one because I feel like nobody knows about it. But what unusual food combination is under the radar that you enjoy? Do you have one? Um, I'm, a, I'm a deli meat out of the fridge guy. Tony Soprano style. Mm. Just, <laughs> let me just rip it. Really, is, is there a combination there or is it just all the Deli meats? meat. All the time. One time, my buddy, uh, it's like perfect, like college age. When you just like go to your friend's house and just like s- stay there from like you know twelve o'clock until like three in the morning, playing video games or doing bullshit. Yeah. Um, I would just like take a like 
deli turkey out of his parents' fridge and just like eat all of it. One time, I legitimately had all of it. Like, you ate legitimately all of my parents' deli meat, and I was like, I'm uh, guilty. But if it's there, you got to do it. It's it's for eating, right? Yeah. It's for eating. Uh, I would um, my favorite combination that that uh, I, I I suggest to everyone is a sandwich with your favorite kind of bread. Uh, you toast it just a tiny bit, and you use the nut butter of your choice. I would say either a natural peanut butter or almond butter. I prefer salted sriracha and thinly sliced green apple. Make that fucking sandwich. I've been this for a long there's, time. There's just there's there's no way you're gonna eat one of those sandwiches. There's just no way. It goes perfect. So. That's my suggestion. Well, a big pod in that we have crowned the Jigsaw Field of 64 champion. Mike names his kid after my father. I don't. I don't. In fact, I don't at any do point. That. That's how little I want to do it. Um, uh, JJ Reddick has 72 hours from the moment this podcast drops. And by the way, to if Tommy to wants to come on and I can ask him what he does, then he's welcome as well. Yeah, we'll have Tommy too, but not in place of Reddick. I would do... Uh, no, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want both of them. I'd want one or the other. So you're saying that Tommy Alter is a? Does that keep Reddick from being banned? I don't think so. No, no, no. If uh, okay. we do, we do the 72 hours of JJ, and then maybe Tommy mm-hmm. has 70, 72 hours. But I really would rather have JJ so I can ask about Tommy. That's Tommy. Yeah. I don't want Tommy to think I'm <laughs> telling him to his face that's like, "Hey, what is your purpose on life?" Because that's probably not a fun conversation for him to have. But if I ask JJ about it, then it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I just sort of snicker in the background, right. throwing in, throwing. In but shots, I want to talk about defense. I want to talk about his footwork. I want to talk about a lot of things. I watched. I recently mm-hmm. watched a JJ Chris Paul, uh, college game, back at Wake Forest mm-hmm. and Duke. That's, there's a lot to discuss, JJ. So come on a in. A lot. The biggest argument I ever got into Ike Reese, uh, into with Ike Reese was about J.J. Redick. It was probably, do you remember, there were J.J. Redick to the Sixers rumors probably six years ago or five years ago, or maybe six years ago, and I got into an argument with him about who was better, J.J. Redick or Evan Turner, and he took Evan Turner, mm. um, and, now the and I took J.J. Redick. He followed me back to my office to argue with me about it. It was awesome. Um, all right, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, congratulations to Mike Names, Howard es- his child Howard Eskin, and good luck, J.J. Reddick. The, the, uh, the clock starts now. Are you down with TT? Yeah, you know Lickface. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing